Welcome to the Compass Church Podcast with Pastor Tim Jacobs, a ministry of Compass Church with your Arizona. Join us now as we look into God's Word to be challenged and changed. But if you have a Bible, go ahead and turn to the book of Matthew chapter 6, starting with verse 24. And if you don't have a Bible, we'll have the words on the screen for you. Actually starting, yeah, starting with verse uh, 25, rather, 25. We'll get there, but so go ahead and turn there, and as you're turning there, we're starting a new series today called Anxiety. Now, when I was a kid, I used to have this collection of these little books. Um, you had, they had, uh, they're called Mr. Books. You ever heard of these? These are great, but I can't believe you haven't heard of these. These are great books. They had Mr. Sneeze. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about, right? Mr. Messy, Mr. Chatterbox. I don't know anybody like that. Mr. Uh, Tall, Mr. Brave. Anyway, this is Mr. Worry. And this was one of my favorite ones. And so I thought I would read you the story of Mr. Worry. And it starts off like this. Poor Mr. Worry. Whatever happened, he worried about it. If it rained, he worried his roof was going to leak. That's the sign to turn the page for the screen person. If it didn't rain, he worried that all the plants in his garden were going to die. If he set off shopping, he worried that the shops would be closed when he got there. And when the shops weren't closed when he got there, he worried he was spending too much money shopping. Then, to skip ahead, one day he went for a walk and he was worried that he might walk too far and not be able to get home. But on the other hand, he was worried that if he didn't walk far enough, he wouldn't get enough exercise. He hurried along worrying. Or you could say he worried along hurrying. (laughs) Whatever. This is the 70s. This guy was probably high when he wrote this. He met Mr. Bump. I'm very worried about you. Why is that, asked Mr. Bump. I'm worried that one of these days you might hurt yourself. Don't you worry your head about that, replied Mr. Bump. See, now he's projecting his fears onto other people, going outside his circle of influence right now. He's freaking out about things that are beyond his control, Mr. Worry is, right? Then he meets another guy named Mr. Noisy. I'm very worried about you, he said. Why is that, Mr. Noisy? I'm worried that you might lose your voice, said Mr. Worry. Oh, don't worry your head about that, Mr. Noisy. And off he went, clump, 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 with his 70s platform shoes he's got on there. So one day he goes to the wizard and the, says to the wizard, hey, I, I'm worried. And the wizard says, write down all the things that you're worried about on a list and I'll make sure they never happen. Talk about overpromising, but anyway, so that's what he does. And then the, Mr. Worry goes to sleep and he wakes up the next day and he's like the happiest guy ever because he doesn't have any worry. It was the first day in Mr. Worry's life that he didn't have a single thing to worry about. And the next day, and the day after, and the day after that. On Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, Mr. Worry didn't have a care in the world. But on Monday morning, he was a worried man. Oh, dear. What do you think was worrying him? Can you guess? He went to see the wizard, and the wizard said, oh, dear, what's worrying you? I'll tell you, said Mr. Worry. I'm worried because I don't have anything to worry about. And he went home to worry about not having anything to worry about. 
the end. And there you have Mr. Worry. Thank you very much. Now, the reason I read you that story is because that's like a lot of us. It doesn't matter what it is, we will worry about it. It doesn't matter if it's something very extremely existentially threatening or just kind of out there. If you're a worrying person, you will worry. It doesn't matter what it is. You're always churning around in your little gut. So let me ask you this morning, what's worrying you? What's got you anxious? What's keeping you up at night? What's robbing you of peace? Our passage today, Jesus is going to basically give us the reasons why we should conquer worry in our lives. And then he's going to tell us how. So he's going to ask, convince us of why it's important to conquer worry. And then he's going to tell us how. So let's just get into this and we'll see what happens. By the way, I should say that when we talk about worry and anxiousness, we're putting the two terms together. So we're, we're going to say worry and anxiousness or anxiety. We are not referring to the actual condition of anxiety per se. That's important you need to understand. So we're not talking about the clinically diagnosed condition of general anxiety disorder. If that's, if that, so as you go through this. So we're going to take the word anxious and worry and use them interchangeably. Where that's more of the state or the feeling, not the condition that's diagnosable. So we are clear on that. So this is what Jesus says. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothing? That's a profound question, by the way. I don't know that we think that it is. I don't know that we have actually pondered the fact that there are more important things than life than whether or not our chicken is free range, you know? This is really important. We're, I don't know that we're actually at the place where we really consider the fact that life can be more important than how other people perceive our clothing or whether, you know, your, your shirt matches your shoes. Sometimes that gets so big that we don't know that there's anything else in life that's more important. In fact, the first reason that Jesus offers right out of the gate that we should conquer worry is because worry makes me miss the purpose of my life. In other words, if these kinds of things, like worrying about something as simple as food, if that takes up the majority of space in your emotional and mental world, there isn't much left for the actual reason of why you're here on this planet. You are devoting mental energy to things and devoting it away from what actually matters in your life. And that's very sad because you will miss, and I will miss much of what we were made for. But that's what happens. Because right now, as I said before, we're experiencing, many people are reporting experiencing the state or the feeling of anxiety like never before. And it's actually skyrocketing in our nation. And it's almost becoming the cool thing to do to say that you're emotionally incapable of handling things in your life. People will post things like, I'm shaking right now. Or, you know, I'm beside myself. I was so shook, right? We, in the past, we didn't necessarily brag about our emotional fragility the way that we seem to do now. We just kind of like doing that. 
And it's true, it's happening across the board. According to a Gallup poll that literally just came out on Friday, how serendipitous is that for me, right? I'm like, wow. This poll came out on Friday about worry and stress and anxiety and fear and all this kind of stuff. And they said that Americans' levels of stress and worry and anxiety and fear jumped in 2018. In fact, our levels of reported stress are tied with the nation of Sri Lanka. Yeah, thank you. Do you know what happened in Sri Lanka last week? Yeah, that's the water they're swimming in, and we're tied with them. Oh, we're also tied with Iran. Your level of stress, on average, is the same as the level of stress of a person living in Iran. You know what country we're actually, actually has less stress than we do, according to the poll? that came in a lower stress index. You ready for this? The country that has a lower level of stress average than we do, Venezuela. Do you know what is going on in Venezuela right now? I mean, look, when your level of stress on average is greater than the average person in Venezuela, you got a problem. When you have more anxiety than those people, they turn on the light switch on, they it doesn't even go on. They don't even know where they're going to get their next meal. That's crazy. In fact, the researchers concluded during a solid year of economic growth, the United States kept the negative trend of stress, worry, sadness, and pain going into 2018. Higher levels of stress, anger, and worry nudged Americans higher than any previous score to date. We are more anxious and worried than ever. And Jesus comes along and says, guys, life is about a lot more than the things that you are worried about right now. And if you spend your time focusing on those things, you are going to miss the very reason you are here. Of course, that begs the question, well, what is the very reason I'm here? We're going to get to that, but not until we first learn the second reason why we should defeat and conquer uh, worry. And that's what it says in verse 26. He says, look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you of not more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? Again, another profound question. Have you ever seen an infomercial where some guy gets on there and says, you know, I had one foot in the grave, man. I was almost dead. And then I started worrying. And it all got better. I lived longer. I added 10 years of my life by worrying. Right? Try it now. Worry free. Right? Nobody does that. You worry. See, have you ever added to your life by worrying? So again, another profound question. You cannot add to your life by worrying. And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Very powerful. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. This is the second reason, then, that we should not worry. And this is going to make some of you mad, so I apologize in advance. But you are more valuable to God than a bird. Sorry, don't shoot the messenger. I didn't say it. You know, Jesus said it. 
You are more valuable to God than a bird, and God takes care of the birds. You are more valuable to God than anything in nature, even more than a flower, even more than a cat, which goes without saying. I mean, that's just easy. I hate that guy. He always makes fun of cats. Come on, right? But you say, well, Tim, but God cares for all the little creatures of the world. Who are we to say that we're any better? Well, for one thing, we didn't say it. Jesus just said it. Are you not of more value to God than a bird? I don't think people, a lot of people think that they are when they really think about it. But second, God didn't send his one and only son to die for a petunia or a tree frog or a horse. He sent his one and only son to die for us. Third, we're the only ones made in the image of God in all of creation. Now this is important because I suspect a huge macro level reason why we are experiencing so much low grade, broad based anxiety in our culture today is because we have disconnected ourselves from our conception of God. And when you don't know who God is, you don't know who you are. And when you don't know who you are, that raises your level of stress because you start to wonder, do I even matter in the world? What should I do? Where am I going? Why am I here? And it just bleeds out into every area of your life. Look, when you have Hollywood people who have all the money in the world and all the fame in the world and all the options in the world and they're killing themselves, that should tell you that there's something about a disconnection from God that no matter what you have, it leads to some kind of aimlessness in life where you just can't take it anymore. But the problem is when you don't know who God is, you don't know who you are. You don't really believe the things that he says about you. And if you don't believe what he says about you, then you don't know why you're here. And you end up believing you what they teach you in school. That basically all you are is just the top of the food chain. And I think there's people that really internalize that. And there's all this, you know, confliction going on. And we have people who are guilty for breathing out carbon dioxide. I'm poisoning the planet by my very breath. If you think that about yourself, yeah, you might stress out a little bit about just your very existence. My very eating food is ruining the planet. No, 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 you're actually important. See, you're not the, your legacy does not come from the bottom up. It comes from the top down. And that's according to Psalm chapter 8, which says God's created us a little lower than the angels. And it doesn't mean that we're less than the angels. It just means like in the terms of like the whole heavenly being thing, we don't have the powers the angels do, although the Bible says that someday we will judge angels. So go figure that one out. That's kind of crazy. But we're the only ones made in the image of God. We have incredible, tremendous value to God. We are connected up here, not down here. And that's the point. So the next time you see a bird, seriously, this is a little lesson or a little challenge for you. Next time you see a bird, and they're all over the place, aren't they? It's like, you know, um, when they hit the window, right? Boom! It's like, what's going on? That's, that's, how, that's how Dennis Miller knew that Jerry Seinfeld was a comedic genius because he heard Jerry Seinfeld say, when a bird hits the window, he says, I don't blame the bird for not knowing that there was glass there. I blame the bird for not avoiding the oncoming bird. <laughs> it's pretty funny, right? <laughs> so anyway, the point is, next time you see a bird, I want you to look at that bird and say, Bird, I am more valuable to God than you are. 
Seriously. He's not, he's no English. He's not going to be offended. He's going to, you know, do his little neck thing. So he, you're not going to hurt his feelings. But it's for you. I am more, I'm more important than all of creation. That's, I'm telling you, it's more important than you think it is. Because Jesus said, do you not realize your value? And God takes care of these creatures. Will he not much more take care of you? I don't think we get that. I think we go, yeah, but, 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 but. No. So we move on from the reasons we should not worry then to how we actually not worry or, or deal with this issue of anxiousness in our lives. And this is where it gets really good. So let's read on and then we'll pull out what he's saying. Because in verse 33, he says, so basically don't worry, blah, 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 but, right? And that's a big but. Remember we talked about having big butts in Christianity, right? There's big butts in Christianity. You got to have them. Here's where, you, here's where you're going, but instead of that, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. So, what is the number one way to conquer words? So I'm going to give you a picture, an image, um, to a, like a word image, and then, I, and then like a, an illustration, and then we're going to explain what I mean by it. So I think what he's saying when you say, what is the number one way, how do, I, how do I more than anything else conquer worry in my life? I've got to do this. I've got to fly the flag of the kingdom of God proudly and, and bravely and dramatically over my life. I've got to fly the flag of the kingdom of God over my life. What do we mean? Well, he says, seek first the kingdom, not second, not third. And we see we have to remember this because we live in this wonderful nation of peace and safety and lots of options. You know, we got soccer practice and we got to get our nails done and we got to go look at this and we got to do all this crazy stuff. And then we got to watch the Netflix thing that just came out. And so we have all these things we have to do, right? He says, no, no, no. Okay, time out. That's all fine. But seek first priority over everything else, not just on Easter, not just on the weekend, not just once in a while, not 18th, not 19th, but first the kingdom of God. Above anything and everything else you can possibly think of in your life. Now that's again, that's a paradigm shift for a lot of people. Whoa, really? Because I thought God was just part of a, you know, a nutritious breakfast. You know what I mean? Like the toast and the cereal and the milk and like there's God, right? Like he's part of a nutritious life. You know, that's one, one of many. No, no, no. He is the only thing. And everything else flows from that. So that's a huge conceptual shift in our minds. So we have to ask ourselves then, when you say seek first the kingdom of God, what do we mean by that? So if I were to ask you what a kingdom is, say, well, a kingdom, a kingdom is ruled by what? Who rules a kingdom? A king. That's right, very simple. So a kingdom is a place that's ruled by a king. And who makes the rules in the kingdom? The king, right? So there's a, a kingdom is a place, it's a realm, it's a sphere, whatever, where there is a king who rules, and not only that, but he provides his protection to the people in his kingdom. He is responsible for their well-being, or he's a bad king. So we know that a king is a, is a, play, is a guy, and a kingdom is a place that's ruled by a king. We live under his rules and under his protection. And Jesus is saying, I want you to seek first the kingdom of God. So the kingdom of God then is the place where we live under God's protection and by his rules. Now, if you've ever traveled outside the United States, you know, it's one thing to go to like Canada or, you know, England or whatever, where it's kind of a similar society, you know. 
But if you ever gone outside to like a sketchy place, you know, like maybe, and, you know, I'm not trying to like put anybody down, but there's countries out there that you, you get there and you're like, we are not in Kansas anymore, Toto, right? I mean, they got a different way of looking at life. And you better conform to their rules or you are in trouble. And you're accustomed. So you know, and you, you know that. And it can be fun and everything else. And if you're a tourist or whatever, you know, or maybe if you've been in the military and you've been deployed, and you're like, I am, I am in a place that's far different than the good old U.S. of A. So what happens? Then you come back after your little trip and you land. If you ever had this experience, you know, you land in Chicago or you land in New York, whatever else. And, and, and you, what do you see on, out, up on the pole? You see the great United States flag. You're like, ah, I'm back. And you can just breathe a sigh of relief, right? Because you know now what that flag represents. You know that there are certain protections and freedoms and rights that are afforded to you in this realm now that this flag signifies. In this flag, with under this flag, that's why it's put up over everybody because the idea is that underneath whatever this flag represents is how we live our lives. And that's a very real feeling. And you don't appreciate it unless you've been outside of it. You don't appreciate it unless you've seen another flag wave over that you're not sure exactly what they think about human rights or what they think about free speech or what they think about, you know, certain customs and rules. And if you go against those things, you're busted, right? So the question I have for you then is what flag is flying over your life? It is good. Because you can think a lot about the reason why you worry and you can't differentiate and step outside yourself and say, what is the real thing that is driving my decisions and driving the churning that's going on here in my gut? Are you living in an oppressive kingdom? Have you set up a rulership that does not belong in a place of rulership over your life? So Jesus is basically saying when he says, do not be anxious, seek first the kingdom of God, he's saying stop serving false gods and start actually obeying God as though he, his rules and his protection is that which you are actually living under. And I just don't think we know how to do that. And I just don't think we spend hardly any time in our lives actually considering the reality of that as though it were actually true. We need to stop elevating stuff to the place where it has full control over our emotions and our joy and our sense of security. Your 401k is not a good flag to wave over your life. Your kid's performance how well they end up in the pecking order of all the other kids is not a good flag to wave over your life as though that is the kingdom and rule in which you live in. Your mother-in-law's opinion is not a good flag to wave over your life. Whoever is in the White House at any given particular time is not a good flag. And yet you would think that the man in the White House runs certain people's lives. <gasps> I'm just so worried. As though that person actually controls your life. And, and you actually think that, and you, and, you give, and you give him emotional control. Why do you do that? Your conspiracy theory is not a good flag to have waving over your life. Oh, I know it. It's coming, baby. I got the bunker ready. You know what's so sad? There are people that are going to spend their whole lives preparing for the end of the world. And then they're going to die.
before the end of the world. And it's going to be a total waste. And they should have just gone out and played and had a good time and done anything. Anyway, that's a whole other sidetrack. Instagram is a terrible flag to wave over your life. I bow to the gods of the little faces and pictures that come up on my little Instagram feed. And you do. They affect your emotional state. Everybody knows you feel worse after you've been on social media. That's like a given, right? If you want to feel worse, go on social media. Seriously, if you want to just, if you're feeling really great about life and you want to just check yourself back into like neutral or worse, just hop on that sucker for a while. No, can I be honest with you? Can I be, I, I just, this is truth time. You ready for this? Oh, this is so good. We're going to say, we had 2,000 people for Easter, right? Dude, that was pretty good. Never had that many people for Easter. So I got home and I was like, oh, dang, this is awesome. We had 2,000 people for Easter, right? I get on social media and I got a buddy. He had 6,000. And I swear to you, I swear to you, I saw that and I went, I suck. I'm like, ah, 2,000, not great. You know, we should have, we could have done those. But shut up, man. What is wrong with you? But that's what happens. So this, again, these are bad gods. These are bad flags. These are bad things to roll, to have, giving your, giving your life over to. Your neighbor's car compared to your car is a false god, a false flag. It's wrong. Even death itself, even death itself is a flag that should not be waving over your life. But it does. I'm so afraid. I'm so afraid. You live under its power. You live under its rules. You, 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 you think about it all the time. We dealt with that at our Easter service last week. If you weren't there, you go watch it online. Think, these things aren't really in charge of your life. But you and I act like they are. And that's why they drive us. And see, this is why, this is why it's so important. It's, I'm not, it's not just, here's six tips to help, you know, you stop worrying. Find a nice place to just breathe and practice mindfulness and all this crap. No, you, you, you get a better God. That's what you do. You get a better kingdom. You fly a different flag. And you look up at that flag and you go, oh, I forgot. I'm in the kingdom of God. He takes care of his people. And I live by his rules. So we, we have to look at the things that we're crowning as king of our emotions and stuff like that. But see, when God's flag is waving, not only do you have peace because of you're under his protection and have, he's in charge, but you're also now free to live by his rules. And that's very important. Because the kingdom, when you live by the rules of God, your life actually becomes deeper. So when Jesus says, man, I just, I feel so like strong about this. When Jesus says, don't worry about like your food and clothes and crud because like, you're missing out on life if you spend your time occupied with those things. Instead, you're, you're, you need to live a different life, a deeper life, a better life, and that life is found in the kingdom of God. And so when I'm living in the kingdom of God, I'm doing things that actually bring life to me and put the fact that God's existence is on display, and I am fulfilled. So, for example, Jesus just got done telling people, hey, don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth, right? Because it's fun and all that, but you got to garage it, you got to insure it, you got to maintain it, and it stresses you out, and it's going to get stolen, and it's going to break, and then your kid's going to back up and do it, and you know, with his car. And, uh, right, I mean, it's just going to happen. So don't make that your primary thing in life because it, it, it's the law of entropy, right? It just breaks down. Instead, take your money, and it's not bad to have money, you should make money. But use your money differently than just storing up a bunch of crud for yourself. Take your money and put it out there to help other people know that God is a God of love. And you do that through generosity. But generosity is a hard thing. Because if I give it to you, that means I don't have it anymore. 
And I'm worried I'm not going to have enough. And Jesus' point is like, you can't worry that you won't have enough and fulfill the rule of the kingdom of God at the same time. You can't do it. It's impossible. So if you're one of these people, oh, I'm just worried all the time. Great. You, can't, you, you, you might as well not even be in the kingdom of God because you can't live by its rules. You can't live by the kingdom's rules and worry at the same time. Same thing with forgiveness. Jesus says, forgive people that hurt you and, you know, love your enemies. But I'm worried. I'm worried that they're going to get the best of me. I'm worried that this person that, that I'm angry and that, that, that robbed me or took something from me or, or messed up my family, I'm worried that, that, in essence, they're going to win. No, 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 no. In the kingdom of God, there's justice. Because the king makes sure there's justice. So you leave the justice to him. You do the rule of the kingdom, which is love and forgiveness. Right? But some of us are like stewing. We're so worried that, oh, they're going to get away with it. If I, don't, if I don't hate them and get mad at them and focus on them, then they're going to get away with what they've done to me. No, 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 no. You're flying the flag of the kingdom of God. In the kingdom of God, there's justice. So you don't worry about that stuff. Now, I know some of these things are difficult issues. But again, what flag is flying over your little head? So... Here's the thing, and Jesus is like, look, if the, bir- if the bird's worried all the time, they, I mean, they, they get food for themselves, but the bird, do you think the birds get together and they go, look, we got to talk about this because, you know, if we don't start gathering more food, um, by June we may run out. No, they don't even think that far. They wake up in the morning and they go, oh, I got to eat, I'm going to go find some food. And they don't go, oh, where am I going to find food? If the birds worried all the time, they would never fly. They would sit in their nests and go, I don't think I'm a good enough bird. <laughs> That's what they would do. But the birds were made to soar. And the flowers were made to bloom. If the flower was afraid all the time, it would be stuck in the little stalk, you know? Like, oh, I'm afraid if I, if I show my true colors that, you know, I'll get knocked down or I'll attract too much attention or no one will like me or I'll blow, get blown down by the wind or, you know, some animal come eat me. That bird, the flowers don't do that. They just... And here's the thing, when the birds fly and the flowers bloom, they put the glory of God on display. And everybody goes, whoa, that's a cool bird. How do they do that? How do they fly? Like, that's amazing. Man, God's amazing that he made flight. Like these dumb, stupid birds that came avoid a window and that they can fly into the air. And these flowers, these little tiny things that come from the ground, and they have these beautiful colors. Flowers that can be a window to the soul of the beautiful woman that you're trying to influence and woo into your heart. It takes a little flower. Oh, you got me flowers. Yeah, it's a flower. What's the big deal? But look at it. But it just opened up. What if it stayed there in its little stalk? I'm too afraid. It wouldn't be living its purpose. It wouldn't be living its purpose. But that's what many of us are doing. That's the tragedy of worry is it shuts you down and it creates barriers and walls because it elevates false gods and it tells you lies. And the whole, listen, if you don't remember anything else, remember that the whole purpose of Jesus coming to earth is trying to say, you've got to get out of the kingdom that's passing away. You've got to get into the kingdom of God because that's where there's justice. That's where there's peace. That's where there's love. And he proved it by coming back from the dead and even beating death. That's what we talked about at Easter. But what happens is when, when worry bothers you like this, it hides the glory of God in your life. And that's not why you're here. 
You were born so that people could look at your life and say, God must be real. Isn't that crazy? You were born, not for yourself, not so you could just go hang out and make your life comfortable. You were born so that God, other people could look at you and go, whoa, there must be a God. Otherwise, you're not really, there's, I mean, no offense, you're not here for you. Sorry, I know that's a shocking. You're not here for you. This isn't like you and the universe. No, no, no. Like it's God and the universe and then you and I are somewhere out here, right? Like in the, in the credits of the movie of the universe, we're like the extras, you know what I mean? Like at the end, you know, when they put all the people together, you know, when it runs real fast. That, the story is about God. It's not about you. So you take comfort in that because you're important and valuable, but it isn't like, oh, you know, everything rises and falls on me. So the, th- the whole point is, the bird, you were created for the glory of God. And so what happens is in relationships, this happens all the time, because people say, well, I want a godly husband or a godly wife, but I'm afraid I won't find anyone, I'm going to end up lonely. So they fly the flag of, I'm afraid of being lonely. I'm worried about being lonely. And that's a legit thing, right? And so that's the flag, that's, that's the thing that governs their decisions. When push comes to shove, they settle for a person that doesn't share the same passion for Jesus, that doesn't want to follow him with reckless abandon, and they kind of buy into the, oh, I'll go to church with you, and that kind of, like, empty words, and then they hook the person, and then they, and then they get married, and there's no, there's no real evidence of any kind of passion for Jesus whatsoever or, you know, being drawn to the love of God, and there isn't any kind of leadership in the home spiritually or anything like that. And then what happens? This person, unfortunately, has led another person into their life based on a decision out of worry. See, again, worry drives you to decisions that are apart from and incompatible with the kingdom of God. That's what worry, that's why it's so critical that we conquer it. Some of us, you're in a job right now that's paying the bills, and that's great. Because I'm big on paying the bills, man. You got you know, we don't, we can't have people dependent on people and that sort of thing in the government. That's just not a good situation for anybody. So you got, so it's a noble thing. But that being said, there's some of us that are in jobs that are paying the bills, but we know we're less than what we could be. So you know, you haven't finished your degree, and you haven't applied for the promotion because you're afraid, you're worried. Well, what if I fail? What if I get rejected? What if they don't like me? What if I can't handle the load? What if I fail on the job? What if, what if, what if, what if, what if, what if? And you're hiding the glory of God because God put things in you. Now, I'm not saying, you know, I'm not one of these prosperity guys like, there's more money out there for you. That's not the point. It's, it's a development of who you are. And there's many people who stifle the, the, the stuff, the raw material that God's put in them because they're worried about losing everything instead of getting out and sowing seeds and investing and reaching out and blooming and soaring. And going on the journey of God where he says, come on, come on, come on, let's go, let's go. And you, you drown out that voice. God is saying, follow me, depend on me, and trust me. Let's go on this journey together. And see, that's what it is. The whole cycle of even when Jesus says, hey, don't be anxious about tomorrow. Be anxious about today. You want to be anxious about today? Fine. Everyone's like, wake up, deal with today. Because it's tied to nature. There is a cycle. God created us to go for like, you know, 12 or, you know, more like 14, 16 hours, you know, 18 hours. 
and then you kind of start to wind down, and then you're done, right? You go to sleep. And you, every single day of your life, spend a decent amount of time, probably less than you should, sleeping on a bed, totally checked out. And you're a worry wart. But listen, you put your head on the pillow, you could get stabbed, right? Your house could catch on fire. There could be like a comet that comes in. You don't know. You get robbed. There's all kinds of terrible things happening. You're off in lava land. You ever thought about that? He's like, you just made it worse, man. <laughs> but what's going on while you're doing that? Your heavenly father, who never slumbers, is watching over you while you sleep. So we've been given a rhythm, like the circadian rhythm, right? You wake up in the morning, and you deal with your issues, and then you're forced physically to give it to God, to give it to God, to give it to God. Every so Jesus he breaks it up. You just break it up into little pieces. Jesus says, look, tomorrow, who knows what's going to happen tomorrow? Don't worry about tomorrow. You can't. Just take it in little bite-sized chunks. If you overwhelm yourself, you were not made to overwhelm yourself. You're not, that's not how you were made. You will block the glory of God. You won't be able to soar. You won't be able to bloom. You'll put on display the beauty and the grace and the courage and the, 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 the wonder of God. we got a lot of changes going on in our lives right now and my family. It's good. You know, our, our oldest is going to go away to college. He's moving to Chicago in, I don't know, four, five months or something. And, but, my, you know, my wife is like this is emotional ramp up to this whole thing. And he's, you know, he's graduating. And it's just we're in that season of life where it feels like the kids are getting older and everything's changing. And, and you know, you start to think about where things are headed. And, you know, I have my whole back thing, and then that's coming back with some other results I got to deal with. It's just stuff that I can, I can handle, but like, basically I got a big reminder on Friday that, you know, your ego's been writing checks, your body can't cash, and you ain't that young anymore, dude. That's, that's what I, that was the MRI. The MRI came out of the machine saying, you are not that young anymore, dude. <laughs> that was a technical phrase. And so Doc's like, hey, says you're not that young anymore. And I'm like, yeah, I am. No, you're not. Okay, so I had to swallow that one, right? So you start thinking about all this stuff and like, oh my God, we gonna have enough money for the, because then this kid wants to go to college and the next one, they want to go to college too. And then the one after that wants to go to college and they're going to want to get married. All right. I want to have a wedding. Let's have one in the backyard, you know, or whatever. <laughs> like father of the bride. <clears throat> but listen to this, listen to this. See, when you have, and this is what's important, when you have a flag flying over you, you know what the flag represents in part by the founding documents. So like the re it's not just the stars and stripes, right? It's what the stars and stripes represent and it's the documents attached to the stars and stripes. So when you have the flag of the kingdom of God, you have to know something about how the kingdom of God operates so that when you have a problem, you can appeal to the founding documents, which in our case is scripture. So if you don't know scripture, then you don't know the land in which you live. And that can cause a lot of worry too. Oh, I'm just so worried. Well, what you're worried about isn't even real. You read the founding documents and then you appeal to the founding documents. Can I tell you one of the founding documents that's, that, I, that, I, um, that recently when I read this, it just it had a profound effect on me, uh, especially when you talk about planning for the future and all these kinds of things. And this is what happens when you have the kingdom of God flying over your head, the flag. And you say, well, th this is what it represents. And so I pull out of the scripture, the truth, 
And a lot of you need to write this down, especially in these crazy, freaked-out times that everybody lives. Psalm chapter 37, verse 25. David says, I have been young, and now I'm old. Yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken or his children begging for bread. Some of you need to take that home. And you say, God, I'm putting the flag up and I'm appealing to the founding documents. You say, I've never seen the righteous forsaken. I've never seen his children beg for bread. And all the worry that churns are in are like, Am I going to have enough? Are we going to be, it's going to be okay. What if this happens? What if that happens? I've never seen the righteous forsaken. And I'm old. This is what the psalmist is saying. And so you appeal to the inspired word of God and say, God, it says right there in your founding documents, you take care of me. I wave the flag. I'm in the realm. And I sleep the sleep of angels because I know he's on his throne. If you got a better way to figure this out, I'm all ears, baby. But I don't think you do. Wave the flag of the kingdom. Yank down those false gods, those false identities, those false authorities. They do not rule your life. Let's pray together. If you're here today and you want to do that, just tell them. Hey, God, I've, I've, had, a, I've had a bad authority in my life. There's a flag I need to take down off that pole and replace it with yours. I need to live in your kingdom under your rule where there's mercy and there's grace and there's justice. And I need to live as though I actually believe that, as though it's actually true. God, you say the righteous are never forsaken, but I'm a sinner. Thank you for making me righteous because of the blood of Jesus. Thank you for forgiving me of my sin. I want to follow you today. For those of us in here who say we live in the kingdom, but we've been kind of acting like we've been out of the country. What is that thing that's stressing you out? Why is it God when only God is God. Thank you, Lord, for being the one true God. That's the place you want to occupy in our lives. May we trust in the words of your son, Jesus. Do not be anxious. In your name, amen. Thanks for joining us today. Why not ask God to change your life so you can go and change your world for Him? To find out more about our church online, go to www.compasschurch.info and we'll see you next time.